Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Hey guys, welcome back to Storytime Podcast. I am your host, Haley Lira, and I have some really shocking crimes to tell you guys about today. I actually have two stories, but before I get into it, I really just want to thank you for tuning into this podcast. I do this for fun. This is just a hobby. It does take me a lot of time and preparation, research, and coming up with my script, delivery, editing, uploading, all that sort of stuff. So thank you so much. And I appreciate any review left on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave reviews, good or bad. Hey, honesty is always the best policy. So I'll take it. All right, let's dive in. Our victim, Zazil, was 26 years old when she was found deceased in her home Christmas morning 2011. First responders were responding to a call at her apartment in Anaheim, California. Also living in the apartment was her 30-year-old husband, William Wallace. They were newlyweds. And her three children. She had an 8-year-old and a 3-year-old that were from a previous relationship. But her and William shared a 7-week-old son. They'd been together three years technically, married just a month or two before the incident. And so he had to have been somewhat of a male figure to Zazel's other children. I don't know if they thought of him as dad or um, if they even had contact with their birth father, but he had been very much around the last three years. What was strange was how Zazel was found Christmas morning. She was deceased slumped over on the couch as if she'd been propped up and had sunglasses placed over her eyes. A call was placed to 911 about a woman needing medical attention. It is unclear though who called the police, but I am sure that they were shocked when they responded and found that the woman had been long deceased. She was stiff and cold to the touch. Rigor mortis had already set in long before And she had sunglasses on. The 911 call that they received indicated that the person may just be needing medical attention, not that the victim was deceased already. It was not long into the investigation that police concluded William had, in fact, beaten Zazil to death. According to the Orange County Register, William had said he was defending himself from her and her death was actually an accident. See, William and Zazil had a tumultuous relationship. In fact, they did not get married until a month, almost two months before her death, because William had a history of beating her. She had once been found outside in the road by a relative, I believe her grandma, after William had beat her, and she even got a restraining order against him because prior to her death, there was a history of this repetitive behavior. William violated that restraining order and went to jail just earlier in 2011, the same year Zazil was murdered. Despite their history of domestic abuse and violence, Zazil would give William one last chance. See, when he got out of jail in 2011 for violating the restraining order that she had against him, she let him back into her life. Now, at this point, she was pregnant with their son. I think that could have potentially been a motive for why she so easily let him back into her life. Because I know it wasn't soon after he got out of jail that they got back together and got engaged and she had the baby. So I'm guessing that was maybe a motivating factor. 
Ironically, though, while all this is going on, Zazel is in college to be a domestic violence counselor. And this is something that William really could not stand. So despite everything she knows about domestic violence, not that in any way makes it her fault. And this awful sounding situation that they're in, they actually get married still November 7th. This is before their son was born. And my sources say that they showed everyone the certificate of marriage, making it sound like it was a private ceremony or something they did behind everyone's back. I don't know. But just the night that they first got married, they got to a disagreement and he beat her so badly that he actually sent the baby into stress and induced her labor making her go into labor and have their son the next day, November 8th. Some say that Zazel was a drinker and would get really jealous and accuse William of cheating. And so that was the main reason that they fought. Now her family refutes this and says that she didn't even drink to excess and they could never name a time that she was so drunk. She was like crazy, wilding out. I think it's just William's dad that, is making these claims or maybe friends and family of Williams, but no one that knew Zazel maintains or believes this. So both Zazel and Williams family admit and say that William had a really nasty, mean temperament when he was drunk. He was very jealous. In fact, he was so jealous that like Zazel couldn't even dance anywhere they went, even at family functions. And she loved to dance. Nothing that would um, attract any kind of attention from anyone did William want on Zazel. Also, Zazel had to be on her best behavior because of this. Any little interaction with a man, even if he was married to her sister, would set him off. And she would be afraid to go home with him because of how badly he might beat her. A month before her death at Thanksgiving, Zazel's brother-in-law, married to her sister, showed Zazel something on his cell phone and just this small measly interaction sent William into a rage and Zazel was afraid to go home with him. She in fact wanted an annulment but was afraid that if he'd find out she wanted one he would actually kill her. She was that afraid of this man. He was that cruel. December 17th a week before Christmas Zazel's grandma who was 81 year old 81 years old named Sally. Sally brought them a Christmas tree, but just from the time that Sally dropped off the Christmas tree and made it to her house, which is only five miles away, Zazel was calling and saying that her and William were fighting. It was later that same night that Zazel called her grandma Sally back because her and the children had been kicked out by William in the rain. When Sally got there, an 11-year-old boy was actually trying to protect Zazel by standing between her and William, while William threatened to hit Zazel. Grandma gets there. William calms down. He even helps, like, buckle the little baby into the car seat and send them on their way. Okay, they drive away safe. Everything's fine. But then... Sally and Zazel and the three kids had to pull over. See, Zazel was nervous because she left the oven on and she didn't think that William wouldn't ever notice that it was on and it would just stay on all night, which made her really 
nervous. So they're pulled over. They're thinking, how are we going to handle this situation? Maybe we need to find a phone and call him. Um, I'm not sure if they had cell phones on them or what the deal was. But right then, William showed up. Like he was obviously following them and saw them pull over. And so he pulls over and they get into another verbal argument, William and Zazelle while she's trying to escape him. And he actually told her that he was going to leave and never come back. He takes off. And so Zazelle and the kids actually went home safe. And he stayed gone for like a couple days. Of, of course he came back. Of course he came back, right? And apparently the days leading up to Christmas were filled with nothing but verbal and physical altercations between William and her. William's father maintained that Zazelle too was violent and would even give him black eyes. Okay. So whatever was going on in her life, Zazelle tried to make it like a really good holiday for her family still. Her grandma went with her Christmas shopping the Thursday before Christmas. And Sally said that William would not quit calling. He literally called them the entire time they were gone. He didn't help her carry anything up from the shopping spree when she made it home. And Zazelle was a nervous wreck that William was literally going to ruin Christmas. Unfortunately, um, Zazelle did not get to celebrate Christmas with her family that year. On Christmas Eve, Zazelle and William went to a neighbor's party. I don't know if it was a fam, if they took the kids with them also, but they were at a Christmas party at the neighbor's house. And according to Insider, the daughter, who was then eight, says that after they returned home from the party, they began arguing. The argument escalated to violence when William pushed her mother into a glass table. And when she was pushed into a glass table, she actually, it broke underneath her I believe it was maybe like a coffee table or an end table and he then picked up Zazil William carried her into the bathroom bringing along her eight-year-old daughter so that she could help him pull the broken glass out of mommy's arm and when he got to the bathroom he literally just dropped Zazel on the floor and she hit her head on the toilet which is believed to what have ultimately what ultimately killed her so at that point she had just been knocked in the head so hard that she died so they pick out the glass by the way this whole time the baby would not stop crying the seven week old because he was breastfed and he hadn't eaten so William literally is said to have taken his wife to bed dead and then placed the infant on her breast to nurse so at this point Despite the fact that Zazil had suffered a traumatic head injury, which looked to have killed her, William put her to bed at her breastfeed the baby and did not call 911. The next morning, the two girls woke up to open presents. In front of them, William drug their mom from the bedroom into the living room, propped her up on the sofa, placed sunglasses over her head, and said, Mommy got drunk in effing ruined Christmas or ruined effing Christmas and then he proceeded to tell the girls to open their presents and he watched them the daughter said her mom wasn't responding to them and she touched her and her mom's body was completely stiff and cold so I'm not sure how this is not very clear in the reports or news coverage but Maybe the eight-year-old called her family or talked to them that morning because it was Christmas and then told them that, 
you know, their, her mom was unconscious or maybe William told them that Zazelle was unconscious and they insisted and begged that somebody call the paramedics. So either he did or the daughter did. But regardless, that is how the paramedics got notified and found Zazil propped up on the sofa dead with sunglasses on. Despite William and his dad insisting this was an accident and the couple had an equally jealous and loving relationship with physical violence on both ends, it was clear <laughs> William was a woman beater and he killed her and posed her corpse in the room with her children on Christmas morning. Okay, sure, maybe he accidentally killed her, but hadn't he been working up to killing her? He maintained for years of beating her he, out of his own mouth that I'm going to kill you. He said it many times. Her and her family feared for her safety and even getting an annulment. Despite the fact that he'd been jailed and charges pressed since the murder in 2011, he was just charged and sentenced for second degree murder. He was literally sentenced 15 years to life, but credited nine years for his time served. I have never heard of it taking nine years for someone to actually get their legal proceedings but okay yeah so June of this year 2021 he was actually sentenced finally my sympathies for Zazel's children and her family this was a tragedy I will have more information pertaining to this story on Storytime Slayer social media Facebook and I am going to move on to the next story today just to warn you this story is rather shocking and dark and unfortunate there is some audio footage I'm going to play for you guys to kind of listen to the mother speak and it is shocking and it is upsetting so I just want to leave you with that let's get started during a routine eviction March of 2015 while deputies were searching the home of 36 year old Michelle Blair okay so basically it was a deputies eviction team not actual investigators and they are just there clearing out all this lady's shit because she ain't paid her rent in like five months and they made a really wild find in her deep freezer were two deceased children and yes they were her own children and they had been in there as long as two years and three years before this, Michelle had made herself seem like a really loving and caring mom to four children, but she was actually a violent person who was abusive and had killed two of her children years prior. According to her surviving, one of her surviving children, um, the nine-year-old brother, Stephen Barry Jr., died at the hands of her mother, August 30th, 2012. It was from Michelle torturing him for two weeks she had tied him up and continued to throw hot water on him like scalding hot water on him and beat him with a stick for two weeks now the mother said that she didn't mean to kill him but she also had no regrets killing him she ultimately tied a belt around his neck and put a bag over his head so I don't know what she means when she says she unknowingly killed him but also was fine with the fact that she killed him she really was didn't care she seemed proud of it now the same sibling said that her sister Stony Blair was almost 13 years old on May 25th 2013 this is nine months following the death of her first son Stephen Barry the nine-year-old 
her mom actually strangled Stoney with a t-shirt and suffocated her with a plastic bag as well. Now, it was the sister Blair who was forced to put her dead sister's body in the deep freezer on top of her brother Stephen. Before Michelle killed Stoney, Michelle had actually starved her for weeks, only allowing her one meal of oatmeal a day. So she got one oatmeal packet a day as a meal. This took place in Detroit, Michigan, and they don't have the death penalty there, which is really unfortunate. Blair was arrested and charged with four counts of first-degree child abuse and committing first-degree child abuse in the presence of another minor. Remember, she had two other kids that were present in the home when these took place. All charges that she was given carry a life sentence. So she had a million-dollar bond, and obviously she wasn't going anywhere because she couldn't even pay her rent. The bodies had been frozen for so long, they actually took three days to thaw for a medical examination. Both deaths were ruled as a homicide and blunt force trauma. Stephen's multiple burns also attributed to his death from her throwing scalding hot water on him. Both children had different fathers. Alexander J. Dorsey was father to 12-year-old Stoney, and he'd actually been forbidden from seeing his daughter due to him owing almost $40,000 in child support. And if he called Michelle, Michelle or the other kids gave him the runaround, like she's not here, she's not talking, you know, whatever, you can't talk to her, stuff like that. Now, Stephen Berry, the father of Stephen Berry Jr., has refuted to make any comments publicly. He apparently owed like $11,000 in child support and had been in and out of prison over the years for unrelated crimes. So that is how this went unnoticed by both the children's fathers. Now, Michelle had said in court during her trials that they were basically absentee fathers, that they were no support, that half of this was their fault because she had nobody to help her, blah, 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 blah. That's how it went unnoticed by them. She says they were deadbeats. They said they weren't allowed to be in their kids' lives, yada, yada. So how did it go unnoticed by everybody else? Well, in 2002 and 2005, CPS caught involved due to claims of abuse. But the allegations were unsustained, um, and she kept custody. So I guess they did get involved for a minute, but she was able to shoo them off. I'm not sure how or any of the details around that. Michelle's oldest child said that she had been pulled out of school in the eighth grade, and that's how it went unnoticed by the school. There is no system in place when a student is withdrawn in the state of Michigan. So like for all they know, you moved, you're homeschooling, um, and that's it. You don't have to register with them to homeschool either. So once you're withdrawn, you could be doing whatever. Neighbors were totally shocked by this crime because they described Michelle as like a really loving homeschooling mom, but not only did she kill two of her children, her surviving children had many marks and scars indicating a life of abuse and punishment from her. Her teenager had a cut on her eye and a missing tooth from being struck with a two by four and a curling iron. The eight-year-old surviving child had 25 scars on his back, which looked to have been from an extension cord, actually. During her trial, Michelle confessed to everything. She had no regrets. She blamed the dads for not being there for their children and that she was angry 
and they deserve their punishment because they were being punished for molesting their sibling, her youngest son. I doubt that's true, but it's no excuse for this behavior. And according to the Detroit News, Michelle said if given the chance to kill Stoney, she would because she had no regrets. Stoney was raping her son and supposedly doing really mentally abusive foul things to him. For instance, making him drink menstrual blood from a pad. And the more Michelle found out about this supposed behavior Stormy was exhibiting, the angrier and more violent she got working herself up to killing Stormy. She maintained skilling killing Stephen was still an accident, but she was really proud of beating him to death and making him drink Windex because he too had been physically and sexually abusing her son. This woman is crazy. This woman is crazy. Due to how long the original clip of this confession from Michelle in court and her saying these awful things, I'm just going to play a few bits and pieces for you. I will link the video to my social media page, Storytime Slayer on Facebook and in my podcast notes, but I will play a little snippet just so you guys can get an idea of how foul this woman really was. If you would understandably like to skip this segment, the recording is about two minutes What did you do to Stony Blair that makes you guilty of premeditated murder? She raped my son. I intentionally killed her. How did you do that? Um, I repeatedly punched her. My son, I told him to tell me every single thing that she did to him. So as she was telling me, he was telling me more and more things that she did. I assaulted her every time he told me what she did to him. Um, by assault, I mean I punched her. I put a bag over her head till she lost consciousness. I threw hot water on her, scalding hot water from the faucet in her head multiple times, over and over. Was that shortly before she died? That was actually the day before she died and the day she died. Okay. I hit on her back, up on her tailbone. I kicked her. Okay, I just want to clarify. Okay. And it was just... It was over with after that. It was over with. You meant to kill her? I definitely meant to kill her. Okay. It wasn't an accident? No, not at all. Okay. If I had a chance to do it again, I would. When you went and got the grocery bag and suffocated her, that was your intent? Yes. I meant to. I definitely meant to. And I do not feel any remorse for what I did to Sonny. She had no remorse for what she did to my son. It's not only him, gang him with Stephen. Ah, that is such an intense clip. So Michelle ultimately pled guilty and asked for the harshest sentence of life in prison. She maintains that she has no regrets. Her basic defense was that the two deceased children, Stoney and Stephen, were sexually abusing her son. And she was sexually abused as a child, so she sprinkles blame on that she couldn't tolerate that behavior and the fathers were being absent. This woman is a monster. Regardless of whatever excuse Michelle gives, it is clear to me any abusive behavior her children would have exhibited would have probably been a direct result of her demonic and abusive behavior towards them. These poor children, these poor surviving children... Uh, my heart aches for the families. They were placed with an aunt and hopefully healing has taken place. 
All right, that's it for Storytime Podcast today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Go check out Storytime Slayer. I will have additional clips and photos to coincide with these. The full clip of Michelle and Court will be on there for anybody interested. All right, see you next time. Bye.